Good morning, St Saviours. Today's reading is taken from Mark 2, starting at verse 23, and from Mark 3 to verse 6. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some ears of corn. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful to do on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abitha, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, thank you, Rebecca, and good morning, everyone. Um, what a scripture. I'm so excited that we get to focus on this this morning. There are so many gems of wisdom in this passage today, but today we are looking at the topic of freedom. And it's not lost on me that a few minutes ago, Eden was on the brink of taking her first steps. On the day I'm preaching on freedom, I felt like that was a gift to me, <laughs> that she was holding on to me and almost taking some steps. It's so exciting. Um, partly because I value freedom and critical thought so much. And partly because as someone who struggles with claustrophobia, I need freedom. I am particularly excited about this topic today. And we don't need to cast our minds back too far, do we, to remember what it's like to have a lack of freedom. During COVID, so many of our taken for granted freedoms were curbed. We were prevented from visiting and hugging our loved ones, leaving our houses for more than an hour a day, traveling to other countries, even attending church like this in person. It's certainly given me a renewed appreciation of what it means to be free. And at face value, these two stories about Jesus seem to be centered on physical freedom, particularly freedom to act in ways that God is calling us into. 
But I also think that God wants to speak to us this morning about the psychological and emotional freedoms that we have in Jesus. So before we get stuck in, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this church and into our hearts this morning. Would you teach us what freedom means in each of our lives and show us what we need to do to live in that freedom? In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So let's just recap on these stories. In the first one, we read that Jesus and his disciples are walking through a grain field on the Sabbath and the disciples pick some grain to eat. And the Pharisees confront Jesus and they say, what are you doing? This is against the laws. So technically, picking grain was classed as work and work was forbidden by God for the Jews to do on the Sabbath. Jesus responds with this incredible reinterpretation of the rules. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath. Okay, second story. Jesus meets a man on the Sabbath who has a physical disability. And Jesus heals him. And again, he's confronted by the Pharisees. And this time, he asks them a question. Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good to do evil, to save a life, or to kill. Another mic drop moment for Jesus. But why did Jesus' actions upset the Pharisees so much? Why was it so outrageous to them? I imagine that these were smart people. You would think that these things that Jesus was saying would seem like the ultimate common sense. Of course, feeding hungry people is more important than rules. Of course, healing someone is the best thing to do. And yet, in the legalistic world of the Pharisees, these acts were shocking because they broke the rules. Silly old Pharisees, right? And yet, I must admit to having a tiny bit of empathy for them. Let's face it, old habits die hard. And these rules had been given to the Jews directly from God. They were simply working off the laws that we can read ourselves in Exodus and Deuteronomy, where there are some, to put it mildly, forceful scriptures about keeping the Sabbath holy. The Pharisees had been learning these rules and embedding these thought patterns since their childhood. Their parents would have drummed it into them. They were the chosen people of Israel. Their descendants were the ones that God had promised to make as numerous as the stars. God had given them the promised land and along with it, 10 commandments and 613 other laws. These rules were part of who they were, woven into their DNA, long established, and perhaps even at this point, comfortable parts of their identity. And why had God given them these rules? All loving reasons to help guide them so that they could be safe, 
to settle disputes, and fundamentally so they could be different from the culture around them, set apart and easily identifiable. They didn't have access to the Holy Spirit like we do. They had purification and sacrificial rituals, rules and traditions, and that was what enabled them to get close to God. Look at Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You know if, they, if you've read them, man, those repetitive rules. I've just come out of that in Bible in a year. It's hard to read, let alone live by for hundreds of years. To say they would have been entrenched would be an understatement. The Pharisees had reached a point where they were so shaped by what had gone before that they were unable to open themselves up to believing, imagining, or discerning how God could be doing a new thing in that moment in history. And that is despite the many prophecies that they had no, no doubt memorized about the coming Messiah. They had become so defined by their pasts, their rules, their patterns of thinking, that they couldn't accept that change was possible. They couldn't see what Jesus' followers could see, that he was bringing freedom from the things that had previously bound and restricted them and offering a new way to live life that put love in action back at the center. I wonder how ready we are to spot when God wants to do something new in our lives. When he wants to free us from old ways of doing things, old habits, old rituals, old attitudes, or things that have been unhelpfully shaped by our upbringings, our education, or our environments. These scriptures challenge us to consider where we may have become more concerned with our own self-created legalism than grace and compassion, including grace and compassion for ourselves. Where might we have got so hung up on something that we can't see the human need? for ourselves or others? Where have we got so entrenched in powerful, sinful, addictive behaviors that we are now complicit in keeping ourselves in chains? What do you need freedom from? If nothing immediately comes to mind, then I would humbly encourage you to dig a bit deeper. I'd hazard a guess that none of us will reach perfection in this lifetime. So therefore, there is always something that God wants to do to refine our character and transform us. In the interests of offering some vulnerability, I'll go first. Right now, I am working on recovering from a lifelong addiction to working. And I know that those of you who know me well won't be in the slightest bit surprised to hear that. And I'm not even talking about paid work, although that has been the case in the past. I am addicted to doing. Genetically, I am an achiever who leans towards a toxic combination of adrenaline-seeking, perfectionism, 
and people-pleasing. I'm also at a stage of life where there are many, many worthy and important things for me to do. These are long-established patterns of behaviour in my life, and they leave little margin for rest, which means when difficult life events inevitably happen, I teeter on the edge of burnout. It actually steals my ability to find joy in things, as I'm always thinking about the next task. It threatens my ability to be fully present or even available to those I love. And I particularly hate the damaging example it sets for my children. At its very worst, it actually paralyzes me and stops me from doing the things I feel most called by God to do. I have not got this sewn up. I am a work in progress and it's taking time. But I am ready, so ready, for God to do this work in my life. So watch this space and I'll let you know how I get on. Now, I don't believe that anything I have to say in a 15-minute sermon is going to be what makes the difference in your life. But Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It is the Holy Spirit who works in our lives by our invitation who ultimately brings us freedom. Freedom from addictions to food, work, porn, shopping, drugs, alcohol, gambling, fill in the blank. But also from our pasts, our fear, our anger, our bitterness, our jealousy, our insecurities, and our tendency towards comparison. We do not have to live life wearing these chains anymore. No matter how long they've been weighing you down, even if it is, like me, a lifelong problem, today can be your first step to freedom. If you're interested in some practical support around addiction, then I've printed off some info from the God-Centered 12-Step Recovery Program, which you can pick up at the back before you leave. It's just a one-sheet piece of paper. There's a website uh, on there. Freedom was designed into us from the very beginning of history. Without freedom, we would have no ability to choose God. In God's incredible love for us, he gave us freedom to reject him. In that way, freedom has the potential to reflect both the best and the very worst of our humanity. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul reminds us that our right to freedom is not earned by us, but divinely ordained. And through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have the freedom to go directly to the Father God who comes running to meet us when we turn to him. Jesus' confrontation with the Pharisees was to challenge them to make love the greatest commandment. Jesus demonstrated his love-first approach through his, throughout his ministry, who he called, who he ate with, who he helped, who he healed, who he judged, who he didn't. And we must guard ourselves 
against letting the enemy define for us what freedom is. It is not self-serving hedonism. It is not materialism. It is not a freedom to sin now and ask for forgiveness later. Freedom in Christ will always put loving God and loving other people, including ourselves in the healthiest of ways, up front and center. We must also guard against letting others tell us what to think. God doesn't need a public relations manager because every one of us has direct access to a personal relationship with him. Jesus describes it as an intimacy closer than our closest human relationship. And we were made for that relationship with him one-to-one, not exclusively through a leader or an influencer or an author or even a mentor or friend, but direct you to God, God to you, through Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's daunting, mysterious, exhilarating, and life-changing, and it's available to every one of us. Kirsty, can I invite you to come back? This will not be new information to you, but we're all going to die one day. For those ladies who are part of our monthly Bible study on Ecclesiastes, Solomon has made that abundantly clear month after month, every time we've met. Our life on this earth is too short and too precious to live bound up in chains that weigh us down, drowning, suffocating, and immobilizing us from living life in the fullest that God has prepared for us. Freedom is on offer today, right here and now. And I also want to say that for some of us, Freedom might mean putting down something good and worthy so that we can pick up something new. The Pharisees couldn't see how Jesus was offering the opportunity to put a previously God-ordained practice down so that they could experience love in a new way. And I wonder if there's anyone here that God might want to release from something that he's previously led you into so that you can step into something new. If you're able, would you stand? If God is speaking to you about any of these things, please don't leave without asking someone to pray for you. I am 100% available to pray for you, but we have a church here full of very mature Christians. So if you came with someone today, or you look around and you see someone you know is someone who will pray for you and be able to invite the Holy Spirit to come and do that work in you, then please don't leave before you do that this morning. We're a community here and we have that freedom to ask each other for help. If you have never experienced living in a relationship with Jesus, then can I encourage you to turn your heart to him today and ask to experience that freedom that only he can give. Let's pray. 
Father God, in the name of Jesus, would you meet with us right now? Lord, as you stir our hearts to acknowledge the ways we think or the destructive behaviors we keep turning to that are weighing heavy in our lives, please help us to just open up our hands to give it to you so that we can experience living in the freedom that only you can bring. Holy Spirit, rest on us this morning as we begin the process of allowing you to work in us. Thank you, Lord. We receive your freedom by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. What an incredibly powerful message. I think it'd be nice if we just have some ministry time. I'm going to sing a song over you. But feel free, if you need prayer, go get it. I was there in chains, in darkness, for years having lost everything. And Jesus just freed me. And I was able to walk in my freedom. He gave me everything back, restored all the years the locusts had stolen. So if this is your day, this is your day to receive freedom, please go get it. Ask Jess for prayer. While we're, while we're, I'm just going to sing this over you. If you're comfortable, put your hands out. Or put your hands up. Or get on your knees and say, Lord, I need you. Yo 
break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, shout Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. freedom. We just need to learn to walk in it, right? 